Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Well, you're back for part two of this uh, multi-part series on the attributes and the names of God, but this one's part two in the uh, of the, the sovereignty, sovereignty of one. God. Yeah, and yeah. talking... So yeah, last week we brought up the third of the three big names of God. There's many names of God, and we'll go over <laughs> some of names. the other ones. But the big three are Elohim and Yahweh. And then last week we talked about Adonai. Yeah. And Adonai means what? Well, it means master, Lord, yeah. sovereign, the whole idea of submission yeah. and obedience. Yeah. And it is God's character. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about that, you which know, character? The, the, his character, his sovereignty. sovereignty. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talking about his character. There, yeah, well, like, yeah. yeah, it's all its character. Yeah, yeah, which which really comes down to his sovereignty, and and we use this definition that said God's exercise of power over His creation by yeah. Wayne Grudem. Yeah, and we talked about the importance of Him being free. God is free from all constraints in His making of His decisions. He only acts according to His will. Yeah, or yeah. His purposes for His plans. Yep. And we looked at two main people. We looked at Joseph and we looked at Job, and there would be many that we could look yeah, at. Yeah, But those were just two that we kind of focused on. I think Adam on. would have been a good one, too, because, like, what's he going to say? Yeah. You made me. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. just dust, and you breathed life into me. So, uh, yeah, I think you're in control of me, not yeah. me telling you what to do. Yeah, yeah. and Mary. I, yeah. You know, yeah. if we went back oh. in, especially in oh. Luke, where, yeah, where she just accepted God's will for her life. Yeah. So, I mean, there are many and many and many. Yeah. But we just looked at a couple yeah. for time's sake. Um, and you know, one of my favorite is where we in Job where it says, I place my hand over my mouth. Yeah. You know, the whole yeah. idea that God, you're God and I'm not. So yeah. I'm just gonna shut my mouth. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I, we get that as we walk through this, we, we're going to talk about that because mm-hmm. it, sometimes it takes some wrestling to get to that place. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And, and, if you're a listener out there, we're pushing you to make sure that you're ready for those moments where you're gonna literally you're gonna question the sovereignty of God, yeah, and you're gonna wrestle with it. And this is the great question. We're gonna bring up the great question here in a second, but um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to come to a conclusion of what your view is exactly on the sovereignty of God, yeah. and especially now you can't as, escape this. Yes, as the classical view of God has been assaulted in the church of, no, God's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. How can he know yeah. the future if the future hasn't happened yet? And we'll talk about some of these. Yeah, the and a lot of them are theological, but a lot of them are heartfelt, yeah. aren't they? And, From heart sore. Yes. Um, when your heart sore, when you've mm-hmm. when something's happened that has been really difficult, usually that is surrounded by death or abuse or those mm-hmm. kind of things where, you know, we really go, God, where are you in the midst yeah. of this? and we... Yeah, we could you have stopped it? Well, we know we could. So, what <laughs> yeah. does that look like? Yeah, hey, well, well, yeah so keep listening in yeah. weeks ahead because we're gonna we're gonna actually try to answer these questions. Well, we're gonna get it. Yeah, especially the the next part. I don't think we're gonna be able to get to it today. I don't the think objections, so, yeah. the real yep. objections, and the struggle with it. But today, we're going totally for the emotional appeal. Yeah, we we want to pull. And we might at have the a little heart. Christmas break in there, so just yeah, stay with us. Between, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll so, get to it. But today, yeah, we want to talk about a third person in the Bible, um, who wrestled with God's sovereignty, but what yeah, I, and I, what I, what I love about this as we're going to walk into it, it's probably not who you expect. Yeah. 
Because God is sovereign. <laughs> and as we, a couple weeks ago, as you know, we are, we were already formulating our plans for doing the uh, names and attributes of God. And we were just talking kind of, you know, that's more my job in, in our podcast is to kind of think through, okay, for the next several weeks, what do we want, which attributes do we yep, want to talk you're about? The, you're the good linearist. <laughs> yes. And you're the people person. So I'm yes. All over the place. You're secular. <laughs> yeah. So that's right. But what is amazing is a, a man gave us this book that I had heard about, but I'd never read. And you never read it either. Uh-uh. And it literally is about, this man was wrestling, a good friend of ours, and he listens to the podcast, shout out to you, uh, wrestling with the sovereignty of God. And this was an eye-opener to him of like, I believe in God. I've never quite, but, but I had to wrestle with this issue. Yeah. you know. And the, little did he know as yeah. we were doing, getting ready to do a podcast yeah. on this. Yeah. So, so that just shows me God's cool how God works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I exactly. love that. I love that. Yeah. So we're going to bring up this book a lot. It's called The Prisoner in the Third Cell by Gene Edwards. And he wrote another famous book. He's written like 30 yeah, books. Yeah, he's, he's pretty prolific author. Um, he did write a, a book that I think we read in seminary. Uh, it was called the Three Kings. The Three Kings. Yeah. They're small books. I mean, they're they're not cheap books. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they you can read them literally. I read it in one sitting. Yeah, but they're great. They're yeah. they're kind of um, extra. What we would say they're extra biblical. Yeah. So it's taking biblical themes and biblical truths, and it's weaving a bit of a story into that. Yes. Um, the Chosen does that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, in case you're wondering, like, what are you talking about? Um, yeah. Wait, but people might not know what the Chosen oh, is. Oh yeah. Yes. Well yeah. It's it's. it's uh, TV series it actually just came out with on the big screen the yeah. new season three they did the introductions on the big screen which was great to see Christians really supported it and that yeah. and of course I went online and reading Twitter and stuff and some people are blasting it and stuff oh my and so goodness. man There's isn't it, Christians just enjoy life sometimes yeah. and just chill out that's what we <laughs> yeah. say yeah because here's what we say it it's there's extra biblical stuff for sure. Uh-huh. But there's not anti-biblical stuff so far. There's some right. things that uh, we talked about. I think maybe in another podcast. There's some things that make me squirm a little bit, and they, you know they're trying to be, you know, just contemporary, and that's fine. Yeah. Same thing with this book. Eat the meat, spit out the bones. Isn't that yeah. what we would say? But this book. But same thing with the children. It makes you think. Yeah. Sometimes we can talk about Jesus' humanity, but to actually see it. Yes. You know, to see him laughing with children. And that's why the children were coming up to him, to see him getting angry at his disciples or yeah. showing compassion. Or loving his mother. Yeah. You know, all yeah. those things. Seeing their reactions as they realize this guy really is the son of God type yeah. thing. And so that's the, so that's yeah. going off on tangent, but that's yeah. his book. So, um, yeah, but it actually, it, it was, I'm not allegorical. This is an allegory, allegory. But I don't do well with these typical, with these kind of books. I have to be honest. I think in um, especially women's literature, there's a lot of books out there that will write a whole book on Miriam, for instance, and it has a lot of extra biblical on stuff on that. Miriam. Somebody like Miriam. Oh. I'm just using an example. Yeah. Yeah. Moses' yeah. sister. Yeah. Um, or things like that. Yeah. And so, yeah, d- just be careful yeah. that you don't make that um, something that you follow as truth from the Bible. Yeah. So that's my little caveat. Yeah, on that. It's, but it's good to help you think. Yeah. It's like you read the study notes in your Bible more than you read the actual Bible. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's not the yeah. study notes that you believe it's the, what the word of God yeah. actually says. But this so. was a great book because yeah. it really did bring to mind some of the things that we hadn't really thought about. Yeah. At We're going to read me. about it today and we'll yeah. save you from if you don't want to read it, but we yeah. encourage you. Because we always hear about John. Oh, I'm not supposed to say the name yet, no. am I? 
Oh, you can't. Why is it well, called still? Let's just yeah, get into it. It's it's about John the Baptist. Yes. And most of us really, when we focus on John the Baptist, we talk, you know, think about his wilderness wanderings, eating locusts and honey and, you know, in skins and all that. Or we think about the baptism of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's his, that's his uh, big, big scene yeah. in the Bible, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But this really kind of brought about a thing that, that, or or the beheading of John, yeah, um, at the request of Herod, mm-hmm. but we this brought up a little a point that we hadn't thought about. Yeah. So, anyways, it's called the prisoner in the third cell, and the reason it's called that is because it's the parable of when G. Now, the truth is, John was thrown in prison. Yes. Now they that were is saying biblical. Was he thrown in <laughs> prison cell number three? Now that's the, the part. But what it has is there's a man in prison cell number one, and he you know he's shocked that God is that John is thrown into prison but he's like john i was like you i serve god and, and the men cheated me herod cheated me and now i'm in here and he was blaming men you know men for all his problems yeah then the guy in the second cell he's like john how what kind of god would do this to you you serve god and i serve god too but this is how god treats us and so i don't even believe in god anymore and he's blaming god for all his problems yeah and and there's a character who's kind of one of like the narrator almost of it uh protheus who's the prison guard that's overlooking at John the Baptist. And, and a lot shocked. of this is from his uh, mind. Perspective. Yeah. yeah. So again, this is all a parable, but I, yeah. but it sums up the issue when he says the prisoner in the first cell blames everything on men. The prisoner in the second cell blames everything on God. I wonder whom the prisoner in the third cell will blame, man or God. So that's what he. That's kind of the thing. So it's John the Baptist, because yeah. he's got a John got a raw deal. I mean, yeah. he did. He called out unrighteousness. What happened was Herod, yeah. the Tetrarch, uh, he, the king in that area, basically, uh, took his uh, brother's wife. And John calls it out like, this is not lawful for you to take her. And you think King Herod was mad throwing him in prison. Wait, you know, it was his wife who was really mad. Yeah. And what kind of sicko asked for somebody's head on a platter? But yeah. that's if, sorry, spoiler alert, if you've never read the Bible, <laughs> but John the Baptist gets beheaded. But this is... Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at that inappropriate (laughs) place. I just meant, yeah, what kind of sicko does that? Yeah. 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 But, okay, so the beginning of the book talks about John's, it's again, parable, and talking about what was like for John to grow up in the desert. He grew up with the Essenes, Essenes, or Essenes is how some people say it, and so you can say it either way. Is that biblical, Doug? Yes. What? Uh, that he grew up with the Essenes? Or Essenes? No, no. It doesn't actually say that, (laughs) Mm. but... What they were was they were a sect that lived out in the desert and they lived very strict aesthetic lives, mm. okay, and followed the law strictly and ascetic, aesthetic, ascetic, aesthetics. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Oh well. Yes. Google. Right? Yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. So I think I'm right. But anyway, <laughs> I think I'm right. Okay. <laughs> and that's when the fight began. Yeah. Anyways, he lived this austere life. Can we say? That? <laughs> there you <laughs> Thank go. You. Is that good? Simple. Yeah. Simple. Yes, yeah. And yeah. so did the Essenes. And, uh, or the Essenes. The- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't help okay. it. And so that's what it's talking about. And if you think about it, John literally sacrificed in his life as being set apart from the womb. It literally says yeah. that he jumped for joy in his mother's womb, filled with the Holy Spirit when Elizabeth met Mary, who had Jesus in her womb. So when he met his cousin for the first time, he got excited. And he was, he's a forerunner. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and think about the sacrifices he made. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of read over it, but... His diet is locusts and wild honey. I mean, that's not yeah. gourmet. Feeding. And we're talking. Well, we don't know exactly 
when he lived that way. Yeah, for but, how long? But he but, was born before Jesus was. Yeah. So, so we're talking years yes, and years, years and years. Yeah, and he's out living out in the desert. And people are coming out in the desert. And so he yeah. sacrificed, okay? Yeah. He sacrificed. And then he comes to a point where he finds himself in prison. Mm-hmm. This isn't exactly how I thought it was going to go. Now, this is the guy who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what he said when he saw Jesus, and he's pointing his disciples to that guy. Yeah, He saw the heavens open. He heard the voice of God and saw the dove come down, the spirit come down in the form of a dove and land upon Jesus. Mm. He saw these things. I mean, he, he has minds like, this is why he sacrificed. This is yeah. why this I is did all this. This is it. Yes, yeah. the Messiah is here. Yeah. And then he finds himself in prison. Mm. What am I doing here? Mm. And so that uh, picks up the the story. And then the story goes on to, and we want to read this section that's really relevant for us. Yeah. Of, because I think that this is a parallel for many of us. Yeah. You With, know, maybe we've walked through dark waters. Maybe we've sacrificed. I know a awful lot of pastors and missionaries and people in full-time ministry have sacrificed yeah and and have really wondered some of these questions but even just the average person who i became a christian i gave my life to jesus and you know and boy if you remember those days when you were born again how great life looked in front of you everything changed your sins have been forgiven the chains are gone freedom in christ you know the king now is is made himself known to you and the joy that's in your heart. And man, God's going to answer my prayers. God's going to take care of me. And then we find ourselves kind of in prison in some kind of situation that we're like, yeah. wait a minute, what, am, what happened? That's the right. parallel. Might even seem hopeless. Yeah. And when we're at that, we do the same thing that John did. Well, yeah. not literally, but John <laughs> was able to yeah. send his couple of his disciples, some of his disciples, to go to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and they go and they ask. So why don't you read this? We're picking up from Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 6, and what John does as response as he finds himself in prison. Okay. Now, while in prison, John heard about the works of Christ, and he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or are we to look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to the disciples, go and report to John what you hear and see. Those who are blind receive sight, and those who limp walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed, and those who are deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. So, Jesus Stone, okay, here's, and he's quoting Old Testament prophecies about him from Isaiah 61 and others places where it sees the good news is going to be preached to the poor and the blind are going to be able to see and the lame are going to be healed. And, and so he's quoting these things. And, but then he says at the end, this interesting phrase, and blessed is the, any person who does not take offense at me. And this word offense is where we get the word scandal from. It's in mm. Greek, it's scandalizo, uh, to take offense or to stumble, a stumbling block. And, uh, that's, to trip over. Yeah, to trip yeah. over. And that's what. Yeah. And and I love, so picking up in this book, The Prisoner in Third Cell, he paints a picture of this other post coming back and explaining this to John. And John's going, so so people are getting healed? And, and John's like, people are, and they said, yes, teacher, many are being healed. And then he has a great moment. Then it says, but John pauses and goes, did you say many? They say, yes, teacher, many are being healed. Many? And then, you know, the, his disciples are like, well, yeah, it's many. 
And then John the Baptist goes, many, but not all. Wait a minute, this is the Messiah. Why aren't all being healed? Mm. And it starts to just make, you can just picture, and it helps us paint a picture in John's mind of like, wait a minute, this isn't what we were expecting. We were expecting all to be healed. There's going to be this glorious age where there's going to be, he, you know, he read Isaiah. He knows that there's going to be no more tears. We read it last week uh, in, in the Isaiah 50, 25, 8, where God's going to wipe away the tears in Isaiah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and John's wondering, what, not all are healed? Mm. Then the book shifts. And yeah. do you want me to paint that picture? Well, like no, I'd love to okay. actually, because I'm a mom. Yeah. And it really, t- it, it talks about the way a mother that came all the way from Damascus, which was a, a long distance, carrying a crippled child to be healed by Jesus. But when the disciples, when John's disciples came to talk to him, he Jesus actually dismissed the crowds and he sent them away. And so she was one of the ones, according to this book, not the Bible, but yeah, according but to parable, the book, yeah. yeah, that she went home was still a crippled child. Yeah. And so it's the whole idea of some were healed, some weren't. Yeah. I read this, I listened to a sermon this week from R.T. Kendall, a famous pastor at uh, Westminster Chapel, and he, he talked about, uh, in John um, Acts chapter 4, the story of John and Peter who healed the, the man who was sitting by the gate lame. You know, gold and yeah. silver I have none, but what I have to you, I give in the name of Jesus, and he heals them. But he, he, R.T. Kendall said this, and I never thought about that. How many times did Jesus walk in that gate and that lame man, lame man wasn't healed? Mm. You know, okay, great, he was healed by Peter and John. But how many times did he go, yeah. where's the Messiah? I hear this guy's doing great miracles. Why am I not healed? Yeah. And I think in the movie The Chosen, they have the parable, the story in John, what is it, John 9, the man who's laying by the pool, a Salome trying to oh, uh-huh. trying to get healed, and he kept trying to go in. Yeah, but Jesus heals him, and it's great. But what about all those people who yeah. are still by the pool not healed? Yeah, and you know our story about our twin grandsons, where one was healed and one died, and you know we've had a number of these situations in our lives um, with our special needs grandchild, who, as we were praying when the doctors we're getting ready to make a diagnosis and the diagnosis didn't come back the way we wanted it to. But then the other side of it, when our one son was 13 or 14, right around in there, he had a soccer accident. He was actually injured while he was playing soccer and he had a traumatic brain injury and a central spinal cord injury. And um, he was healed miraculously. He shouldn't have been and he was according he shouldn't have been according to what medical science said yeah. so we've experienced these in our own lives the ones that are healed and the ones who who aren't yeah. yet yes yet exactly so I wanna, so it's a very dramatic picture it is you know and and that is one thing when we read books like this we don't just read the um the scriptures in black and white because we can do that sometimes especially as they're familiar to us yeah. so this is a great example of reading the compassion in the midst of it yeah isn't so it i'd like to read so i want to pick up here from the book uh the prisoner Good. in the third cell and this is uh, again this is not the bible but it helps us just to think through this issue of sovereignty because yeah. that's what we want to talk about. Yeah. Applying it now to life. Yes. And where it really comes. And we ask, we're going to ask the great question uh, at the end of this podcast. So in this section, this is Jesus on the night before John the Baptist loses his head. If you know the story, Herod's with his friends. He tells his um, 
stepdaughter. Salome. Yeah. So yeah. who's dancing. She dances and impresses him. He's drunk. He goes, hey, whatever you want to ask for it up to half the kingdom I'll give to you. And his, her mother grabs her and says, ask for the head of John the Baptist. Mm. So this is painting the picture that the prisoner guards are going to come and, and take John and, and have him beheaded. And this is what Jesus is alone by himself now. And this is what he's saying to himself about John. And this is from the book. It's not from the yes, Bible. Yes, it's from the it's book. From the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Make sure you get that. Yeah. So. You will not see the multitudes crowd and jubilation at my entry into Jerusalem. Neither will you see me crucified nor hear of my resurrection and my triumph over death. You will not die. You will die not knowing that you are you have proclaimed the coming of no less than the Son of God. Death is but a few seconds away. And still there is no answer to your question. You will die not understanding. And blessed are you, John, if you are not offended with me. They have opened the gate to the courtyard. There it is, the block on which you will lay your head. And there the man who will take your life. You will be remembered as one of the greatest men who ever lived. But you will not know that. Nor will you hear the Son of God say, Of men born of women, there was no greater one than John. Even now, you will, as you kneel, you wonder if you are a complete failure. You gave so much, poured out your life so completely, lived for God so singularly. Yet, despite all this, you could not so much as win the favor of God to the point of his giving you one answer to one question. It was, after all, the only request you ever made. I did not give you an answer. I never have. The question of why will always remain unanswered in all my dealings with men. That is my way. But if there were one human being on this earth to whom I would make it clear my purpose, it would be you, John. And it would be now. Above all other men or women who have ever lived, I would give an answer to you. John Nelton placed his head on the block. When I called you, John, and told you that you would announce the coming of the Messiah, you assume that because you were going to prepare the way for me, you would have the joy of seeing that wonderful day of my coming in glory. But today, you have met a God who you do not understand. Such is the mystery of my sovereignty. Such is the mystery of my sovereignty. Such are my ways in every generation. No man has understood me, not fully. No man will ever will. I will always be something other than what men expect me to be. I will work out my will in ways different than what men foresee. The guard has shifted his weight. The blade is raised above you. Death stands beside you. Die, my brother John, in the presence of a God who did not live up to your expectations. And blessed are you if you are not offended with me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's really wrestling with the ultimate question. Yeah. John died not seeing any of the glory of Jesus. Yeah. No idea of the resurrection, no idea of, you know, the joy of salvation coming down when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. He yeah. didn't know any of that. He no. died a failure in his mind probably. Mm-hmm. How did this happen? Yeah. Where is the expectations I, I had here? of the Messiah? Yeah. And yeah. I, and I just think that paints up so powerfully. It does. Yeah. I mean, God is going to do what God has ordained to take place. And can we accept that? Yeah. It really does come down to that, doesn't it? Yeah. You, you remember we talked last time of how Job reacted um, when catastrophe hit 
And, you know, he placed his hand over his mouth. But then the other part of that that we didn't talk about was when his, when, when all that happened, his wife wanted him to curse God. He recognized God's sovereign hand. And it says in Job 122, despite all this, let me paraphrase here, despite all the horrible, horrific, gut-wrenching things that happened. Horrible pain I'm in and sores on my body, death of my children. Yes. Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. And the book it continually uses that phrase. And and let's let's talk a little theology here for a second. Mm. Jesus gives this answer, right, of the he, the lame are being healed, the blind are seeing, the gospels mm. being preached to the poor. But then he puts that phrase at the end, and blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. Yeah, why doesn't does he, seem to fit? Does no, it? why does he put that there? What do you think? Yeah. yeah well, I I think it comes down to this: like, do we react? Do we acknowledge? Do we really acknowledge the reality of the combined name, Adonai, Yahweh, which is what we've been talking about? Yeah. He is master, but he is also covenantal love, isn't he? Yeah. Do you do you? Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Of um, God's not going to live up to your expectations. No. This is what sovereignty means. Yeah. God does what he wills. Yeah. And if he wants to put you in prison like Joseph and let you suffer horribly for righteousness, he was innocent, then God's going to do it. Yeah. If he wants, because he's trying to make a point to Satan that you're going to, you're going to lose your children. I, I, but it's all for reason, isn't it? It is. That, that are not our reasons or sometimes even our understanding. Yeah. I, I don't have it in our notes here, but uh, just we talked about this a lot because this is my go-to, but I'm going to bring it up again because I did it with these disciples recently, f- f- these four guys I'm, I'm discipling. And, I, you know, I did the, hey, you want to be in ministry, right? And they're like, yeah, you know, you want to serve the Lord. Yeah, right. Okay. Do you know what that means? Are you really willing to submit to God whatever he asks? Because, you know, that's the part of the radical Christian life. What do we call yeah. it, right? Serving, yeah. you know, following the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah. If you don't know that, then you haven't listened to every intro of our <laughs> the radical Christian life, because that's what it is. Yeah. But do you really understand it? And I paint the picture for them. I go to Ezekiel 24, 15 through 18. And I'm going to just try and quote it off the top of my head, because I don't want to take the time to try and find it and let force you to just <laughs> say something. But... It's the passage where it says, Behold, son of man, I'm about to take from you the desires of your eyes with a blow, and you shall not mourn, and you shall not weep, groan silently, and let not tears come to you. You know, Bind up your turban and put your shoes on your feet, and do not eat the bread of mourning. And then it says, in the, then Ezekiel says, So I spoke to the people in the morning, and the evening my wife died, and in the morning I did as I was commanded. Mm. And then he said, the people ask him, what does this mean? And he says, this is, and he gives them the lesson that, that the death of his wife was to give to Israel. Mm. Do you, and I just paint this picture to this. Do you really trust a God who might take your wife as an illustration and tell you not to cry about it? Mm. Do you, I mean, I, and they're just sitting there just looking at me like their eyes are as big as saucers. Cause <laughs> you know, who, who talks like this? Yeah. But that's the great question, isn't it? It is. That's the great question. It is. And blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. So listeners, there has to come a moment in your life where you're going to have to ask the great question. Do I trust this God who I don't fully understand? Yeah. Am I going to trust this God 
who's doing things that I never expected. He's not meeting my expectations. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about because it's not about us. We don't understand God's full design, his master plan for people to come to him. And are we willing to lay down our lives as a sacrificial offering for that? And we don't know what that looks like. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. You know, sometimes there's righteous people that suffer. Sometimes it's from our own hand, to be honest, like some of those things. But, you know, in our own lives, we've had to walk through some really difficult things. And we've shared some of those in the past. The murder of Doug's stepfather who led us to the Lord right before our- Just stop for a second. Don't just blow over that. Like, that's just not a fact you're just going to say. Yeah. So that was one of the, there's been a few times in my life, and there's going to come those in your life. No one gets away from this. No one who lives- a, a, a long Christian life gets away yeah. with this. Yeah. My stepfather who led me to the Lord, who led you to the Lord, who was the only one who encouraged us to get married. I mean, people, if you've never heard our stories, um, ask us out for lunch. We'll tell you. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's yeah. a wild story of faith that only person who encouraged us to walk by faith and obey God's word was my stepfather. And then right before our wedding, he was murdered. And I'll never forget, I just wrestled with God. Oh, death, where is thy victory? Oh, grave, where is thy sting? And I was mad. And I said, I don't believe that verse. I'm feeling the pain. Why could this happen? You know, I just. I remember you crumpled on a church pew at his funeral over that time. And then just recognizing it. Okay. I had my Job moment. And now I realize I placed my hand over my mouth. Mm. God took my stepfather and he had every right to do what he wanted to do for his pleasure. No, I have to accept it and move on. What do you mean for his pleasure? I don't what I don't do you, know. What do you mean by that? God works Does all God things. Does God get together. a sick sense of, oh, this is this is like for my pleasure? No. What does that mean, Doug? All good things work together for good. All mm-hmm. things are for him and from him and through him. You know, all sorts of verses. But again, read, we talked about it last week, or did we do it this week? I grew them together, <laughs> of Ephesians chapter one. Read that. God does everything according to the counsel of his will. Yeah. He works all things for his pleasure. Yeah. And, and that. So how does how does God turn something so evil and use it for good? Yeah. And, and allow it and all that. You know what? That's the whole point of sovereignty. I don't know. Right. And neither do you. Yeah. And can you live with that? Yeah. Man, that, I mean, this is heavy. I hope. It is. I, and I hope it fires you up. You listeners, I hope you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because that's what's going to happen. It should happen. You're going to have, I got questions. I don't understand. But that's not, the, that's not the bottom line. Yeah. You're never going to fully understand. Not the side of eternity. And even then, he may not have to explain it to you. God does not have to explain things to us. No, he, he doesn't. He just wants us to trust him. Yeah. And when we talked about one of the names of God, Adonai, the main part of that is submission to his headship. Yeah. But what's the other covenant name that goes with it we've been talking about? Yahweh. Yep. That he is good. Yes. He's loyal. Chesed. We, the name, that, that's the character of God, is steadfast love or his loving kindness, some translations, his loyal love, other translations. God is good. We'll talk about yeah. that attribute, but. Yeah, which so, is why we're studying some of those. Yeah, and that's why yeah. I'm going to trust him. Yes. Even when I don't understand. Yeah, and yeah. we've had, you know, more personal things. This this podcast isn't all about us, but I think when we share some of those things, you it makes us more human because yeah. we're a voice yeah. on a microphone. But, you know, we walk through, as I mentioned earlier, the death of one of our grandsons and a special needs granddaughter. And, you know, something I really don't talk about. Well, is our not- special needs granddaughter still alive. We yes. had another grandson yes. died 
and yeah. special yeah she's special yeah, needs she's and, just at yeah. the beginning of her life yeah and, I, and there's going to be so many neat things that god's going to yeah. do but it's going to be that, that easy but either. i'll tell you what i don't think i've ever wrestled with anything more than i have for the these things with our grandchildren yeah yeah. Than in my own life, yeah. I've been able to accept things and go with that. But boy, when you know when it's your own kids that are hurting and your grandkids, it's really hard. So yeah. I don't ever want to make that like, oh, it was just an easy thing. It wasn't, and I'm pretty far along in my faith. Yeah. And this was a year and a half ago, and I literally poured my heart out on the top floor of a house in Holland where I was just like, God, why? Why would you do this? And it was the wrestling. And, and you know what I said in the last podcast, which is true, I had to put my hand over my mouth. He's God, I'm not. And when we talk about that, those are big things. But, you know, I just want to share a little thing that I don't talk a lot about. And people that know me might know this. But a couple of years ago, I had to have surgery on my foot. And the surgeon botched it. And I, I have friends periodically, or my son asked me recently, "How, Mom, how's your foot? I literally have pain every day. Every step I take has pain in it. And I have to wear ugly shoes, which might be the worst part. <laughs> so, that sounds so bad. But but the thing is, like I've realized, and I, and I joke about it in the sense of, I have a foot. And I'm not trying to be like super Christian when I say things like that. But you know what? We live by a military base. What happens if you didn't have a foot? Then I wouldn't have a foot. Well, yeah. Yeah. then th- that's what it is. So it, it's it, we live by a military base and I see amputees mm-hmm. and those kind of things. You know, it really does come to a point where I, I can't even praise God but for I wanna, that. Yeah, I want to push a little bit on that though of, but then, so the, so the amputee can just dismiss the sovereignty of God or can no. be angry or? No. So I'm just saying, you know, we have to be careful even, well, it's okay. You, you, there's somebody who has it worse than yes. you. Yes. That, yes. That's that's good. That's a good philosophy, but that's ultimately not the satisfactory answer. No, it isn't. God allows things to happen, yes. and we don't know the answer. Yeah. And can you live with that? Yeah. I mean, this is an in-your-face podcast. And this yeah. is. Uh, I just said I want to change this. I kind of have a reputation. So a guy the other day is like, "I love you, Doctor Doug. You're just you just say it like it is." And I'm like, "Oh, is that really the reputation I want? You know, I'm that guy. Can't you just say I'm a nice, funny guy and I love people and I'm just like a big teddy bear?" And, yeah. And and I have to and work are, on that. Yeah, but I do. have to work on yeah. that because. But these are those moments where I just say, "But you have to. You have to wrestle yes, with that." You do. So you do. Uh, wow, we could go off on this. I'd like to just close because that's the question. That's the question. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Praise God. You will be with him for eternity. But on this earth, you're going to go through disappointments. Yeah. Because he doesn't explain everything to you. No. And and that's a great question. Can you trust God? Because as this book just says over and over, and that's such a powerful thing, because Jesus ultimately says to John at the end of the, when John asked, you know, are you the coming one? Hey, I'm doing all these miracles, but you know what? Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Mm-hmm. Why? Why does Jesus say that? Because he's going to do things we don't like and don't understand. We're not, he is not going to meet our expectations. Yeah. And can you live with that? Mm. So let me just, can I just read? Do you mind? Yeah. You want to do it or you want me to do it? Nope, do it. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, so this is how the book ends. And I think we'd like to just end the podcast, letting this linger in your mind as you wrestle with the name Adonai, Sovereign, Lord, Master, with the covenantal name Yahweh, the covenant-making God who's in relationship with you and what sovereignty ultimately means. The book reads, A day like that which awaited John awaits all of us. 
It is unavoidable because every believer imagines his God to be a certain way and is quite sure his Lord will do certain things under certain conditions. But your Lord is not quite what you imagine him to be. You have now come face to face with a God whom you do not fully understand. You have met a God who has not lived up to your expectations. Every believer must come to grips with a God who did not do things quite the way it is, was expected. You are not going to get to know your God by faith, or you will not know him at all. Faith in him. Trust that is in him, not in his ways. Wow. Stop. Just Let's just read that again. You're going to get to know your Lord by faith, or you will not know him at all. Faith in him. Trust that is in him not in his ways. Today you are resentful of those who are so who so callously hurt you. But no, not really. The truth is you are angry with God because ultimately you are not dealing with men. You are dealing with the sovereign hand of your Lord. Behind all events, behind all things, there is always his sovereign hand. The question is not, why is God doing this? Why is he like this? The question is not, why does he not answer me? The question is not, I need him desperately. Why does he not come to my rescue? The question is not, why did God allow this tragedy to happen to me, to my children, to my wife, to my husband, to my family? Nor is it, why does a God allow injustices? The question before the house is this, will you follow a God who you do not understand? Will you follow a God who does not live up to your expectations? Your God has put something in your life which you cannot bear. The burden is simply too great. He has never, he was never supposed to do this, but the question remains, will you continue to follow this God who did not live up to your expectations? And blessed are you if you are not offended with me. So we just went in with that. Do you trust God? He's good, but he's God. And we have to trust him even when he doesn't meet our expectations.